Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode number eight of Bills Up North. I'm your host, Mitty, and we talk everything Bills 365. Uh, for the dog days of the offseason here, we're kind of stretched thin on material, but we actually have a decent amount of stuff to look into today. Um, big signing for the Bills last week, of course, Saran Neal comes back. Uh, Teron Johnson, we'll have a couple things to talk about with him. Mitch Trubisky, where's he going to be next year? We're going to take a look at every first-round pick, the or not first-round pick, every draft pick the Bills had last year and how they fared in their first season, and much more. So get ready. So, of course, big news for the Bills. Saran Neal signs back three years, $10.9 million. I think they said it's like a max contract for him. I don't really know how contracts like max and that shit works in the NFL, but I'm really happy with this signing. Neal, I was saying Neal's one should have been one of their top priorities to bring back this offseason. I think they definitely made it that. This guy's fantastic. Like, when you see him out there on special teams, like, he is great. Like, he just brings so much energy, and he's so fun to watch. I mean, he's, like, the first special teams player. I can say that, like, you really notice him out there because he's always playing at a high level. He's always ready to make a play. And, yeah, I mean, I think it's a great contract. You know, obviously for him, like, good for him, you know, getting max at what he could. I mean, I always support guys getting the bag. Um, For the Bills, obviously – you know, with the salary cap and everything, I think it's a decent contract. Like for the bills, I mean, you need these guys. Like I said, now the big hope is you can bring back Taiwan Jones too. And you can bring back that gunner duo. That's probably considered, I'd say considered one of the best in football. Like they, those two are fantastic. You know, Jones is a bit of a veteran guy at gunner. You know, he started as running back in his career. I remember bills almost had to play him at running back this year, but uh, that never came to be. And yeah, I mean, Neil's a young guy. He's 27. He's got a lot of potential. And one thing I'll say about Saran Neal was, you know, with Levi Wallace in free agency this year, we don't know if he's going to be back. So could we see this guy as the number two corner, especially, you know, we don't know if Tredavious White, like, is he going to be ready to start the season? I don't know if that's been confirmed, if anyone really knows at the moment. And if he's not, like, Neil's going to be playing cornerback. And I, I kind of like Saran Neal. I mean, I think if it comes to that, him and Dane Jackson will definitely have to battle it out. But, you know, I think Neil's a solid corner as well. If he has to play, he can also play safety, I believe. He played a little bit this year. Um, so I think great signing from the Bills, and you get him at a decent contract. Um, of course, they still got guys they want to re-sign. Uh, the deadline free agency opens on March 16th, so you got, you know, half a month to try and get as much guys up as you can. Um, so, yeah, we'll move on from that. Uh, stat I was seeing today, Teron Johnson, kind of a guy that's overlooked by a lot of people. I kind of overlooked him. I wasn't a big fan of him for a long time. I, I kind of had to eat a lot of crow this year. He had a fantastic season. You know, I didn't really know a lot about him until obviously he made that play in the AFC Divisional round against Baltimore. I just kind of thought he was a backup. And, you know, uh, reading this stat, it, it's a very impressive stat. He had the most red zone coverages with 70 without allowing a touchdown in the NHL. Like that, or not the NHL, the NFL, sorry. That's fantastic. Like, you know, good for him. I mean, this guy, he's another guy that didn't come from much, came from a small school, was a mid-pick, and he's turned into something fantastic for the Bills. So you can't be happier for these guys that, you know, Brandon Bean. And the drafting's really paid off. Johnson's another guy, that 2018 draft. That 2018 draft for the Bills is the one that set this team up to have the success it does. Harrison Phillips, of course, Josh Allen, Tremaine Edmonds. Uh, I already said Harrison Phillips. And then this guy, Johnson, was their fourth-round pick. Like, those are surefire guys. Sorry, I don't know everyone that was picked in that year. But those are surefire guys that they have on the roster. 
And yeah, I mean, you know, the team, I'm really curious for the draft this year, but those are four great picks that are huge parts of the team. I know a lot of people don't like Tremaine Edmonds. Well, guess what? I kind of like him. I actually do like him quite a bit. Um, I'm more of a fan of Matt Milano, though. I don't know if Milano's like, I think playing linebacker and playing middle linebacker is two very different positions because middle linebacker, you're the signal caller on defense. That changes a whole lot. I like Tremaine Edmonds. Matt Milano is better, though. I think Matt Milano this year was the best linebacker in coverage in the entire NFL, so that's fantastic. Another guy, I think he was picked, he was in 2017 or 16. He was a fifth-round pick. He was the guy I think they picked uh, to replace Kiko Alonso when they traded him for Shady. So those two guys, love him. But, yeah, it's Bills defense. Uh, Johnson, fantastic. I think the Bills had a really good – well, they had the best defense in the NFL this year until 13 seconds left. But – you know, it's great to see. Great to see these guys, you know, not making history, but leading the way in the NFL. So, yeah. Um, moving on, one guy I want to talk about. He's a free agent for the Bills, but, uh, I, you know, I think he's good as gone as Mitch Trubisky. There's been a lot of talk around that this guy's going to start next year. And, you know, I kind of agree with people. I, I'm a big Trubisky fan. Like, this guy, I know he, I know he didn't play this year at all. And, you know, I'm sure he, you know, obviously he doesn't want Josh Allen to get hurt. Him and Josh Allen are good friends. I'm sure he wasn't asking to get hurt. I'm sure he wanted to get into a little bit of action. But the Bills, you know, they never were able to give him a chance. Every game meant something to them this season compared to, you know, a year ago where he probably could have played, what, maybe the last two games of the season. Like the Bills didn't have much to play for in that time. They had the division and they couldn't beat Kansas City because the Chiefs beat them earlier in the season. So, yeah, Trubisky, uh, I've been kind of looking at a lot of fits that I've seen around for this guy. And the ones that jump off the page to me are particularly, like, if this guy goes to Indianapolis, I think that's fantastic for the Colts. I know people are going to say, oh, is he even better than Carson Wentz? Probably not. He, I don't think he can make the plays Carson Wentz can, but he's not going to lose you games like Carson Wentz can. Trubisky's going to go in there. He's going to give you a solid play. He's not going to blow you away. But I don't think he's going to lose you games. I, I really feel like this guy got given, you know, he didn't get – not that he didn't get given a fair shot in Chicago, but he kind of took – I don't think things started fair for him because he was a number two pick, and, of course, the Bears infamously traded up one spot to get this guy. I don't remember what they gave up to move up one spot. I, I think it was another first-round pick. And, like he, and it's just – it was tough for him because the two guys drafted after him, arguably two of the best quarterbacks in the NFL, of course, Patrick Mahomes – and then, I mean, Deshaun Watson, but Deshaun Watson's dealing with a lot of off-the-field issues right now. Uh, he should be back to play this year. But I think Trubisky, you know, if he would have, if him and Mahomes could have swapped spots, I think he would have kept his job in Chicago if he would have been like a 10th overall pick. He was solid. He just wasn't amazing. And, of course, you never know what a guy's like once he gets out of a system. I don't think him and Matt Nagy got along, but I could see him going to Indy. I think that would be fantastic. Denver, Washington. Carolina, like there's a lot of teams that I think if he goes to, he's better than their option at starting quarterback. So I'm big on the Mitch Trubisky bandwagon that he's going to be a starter next year. I'm curious if the Bills would get to play him next year out of any of the teams. I don't think so. I couldn't think of a team the Bills have on the schedule that they got to play him, that they'd potentially play Trubisky next year. But that'd be an exciting matchup. Um, Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's just my opinion. Trubisky... Start an extra, you can book it right now. 
So getting back into it now, I want to look back at the 2021 draft and see how the Bills fared and see how all these guys did in their rookie year. Of course, it's not a ton of a lot to talk about. I mean, the combine was today, but like if you're doing like an NFL podcast, sure, I'm sure guys would love to hear about the combine, but this isn't an NFL, well, kind of an NFL podcast, but it's mostly Bills. So 2021 draft, round one, pick 30. The Bills go out, they pick Greg Russo, who played at Miami, and this was looked at as a big risk at the time. Russo, he did not play his uh, final year of college. He said with COVID, he didn't want to get into it. He didn't want to play. And when the Bills picked him, it was looked at as, man, this guy didn't play. But, I mean, this guy's a freak of nature. He's 6'6", he's got a 255, and he's shredded. Like, he is absolutely shredded. And, I mean, this guy showed it in rookie or in his rookie year. Like, that pick he made off Pat Mahomes was like unbelievable. It showed you how f- much of a freak of an athlete this guy is. He got four sacks, 10 QB hits, one forced fumble. He actually started every game. And I think Russo's on a great path. I like, I don't know. I don't think Russo's ever going to become like TJ Watt or, you know, Aaron Donald or Von Miller. What, well, I mean, Aaron Donald plays in the middle and obviously Russo doesn't, but I just think that, you know, he can be someone decent. He can fill in and maybe he can rack up. I don't know. 10, 12 sacks a year, you know, maybe something decent, someone who's looked at as the go-to guy. Round two, pick 61, Carlos Basham, Boogie Basham Jr., picked out of Wake Forest. The guy didn't play a lot. He didn't play until the back half of the season. He would get into eight games. He got two and a half sacks. He was noticeable out there. I will say that. I, I definitely noticed him when he was out there. He looked solid. He looked like he was comfortable. He didn't look out of place. And I thought he had a really good season. And, yeah, I'm really excited to see these guys you know, next year take potentially that extra step. I mean, you know, the Bills clearly had a need coming into the offseason of what they wanted and what they wanted to get better at, and they addressed them with these two guys, Russo, Basham, and you'll see this trend is going to continue. Round three, pick 93, Spencer Brown, offensive tackle, Northern Iowa. Spencer Brown, uh, I think a lot of Bills fans had a love-hate relationship with this guy this year. He, like, he played good. You know, he, he replaced Cody Ford and, Cody Ford is like, uh, that guy was so frustrating to watch. He would just infuriate me out there. You know, the Bills picked that guy however many years ago, and he he's just been a bust ever since out of Oklahoma. And I think that's kind of the reason Brown was brought in. You know, they wanted to double down. Um, and Spencer Brown, like, he played solid. This guy's huge. I mean, he's 6'8". He's got a huge frame. This guy's got a ton of potential. He played at right tackle. Played in 10 games, and, like, he'd do things. You'd be like, wow, like, Spencer Brown's having a really good game. But then he would just have games where he would just do dumb shit. Like, who was, like, what was the game he fucking drank that beer in? That was against uh, Carolina. Like, I I thought it was cool that he did that, but he played a horrible game. Like, I don't know how he could justify doing that, in my opinion. Like, he just – he wasn't very good in the game, but – you know, all aside, I thought he had a solid rookie year. Could it have been better? Yeah. Could it have been a lot worse? Oh, yeah. It could have been 10 times worse. But I, he's got a ton of potential, man. Six eight, like guys like him don't grow on trees every day. Um, round five, pick 161, Tommy Doyle, offensive tackle, Miami, Ohio. I'm a big fan of Tommy Doyle. He played, He dressed for 11 games this year. He didn't get to start at all. But, you know, he impressed. Like, he played decent on right tackle. I, I never saw him on the line, and I was like, wow, like, that guy is bad. Or I was never like, you know, he's fantastic. You know, he's really good. I mean, it's tough to say with the O-line. 
Um, you know, he got that touchdown this year. He got a touchdown in the wild card round against, uh, fuck, I was going to say Boston, against the Patriots. And, yeah, I mean, I think him and Spencer Brown are going to go into training camp battling for that right tackle spot. I mean, I think it's going to be fantastic. You know, left tackle is already done. Deion Dawkins just went to the Pro Bowl this year. And whatever you think of Deion Dawkins, it is what it is, you know. He's not going anywhere. Sorry if you like him. Sorry if you hate. I mean, I know a lot of Bills fans don't like Deion Dawkins. Unless these two guys turn into, like, absolute studs, they're not going anywhere. These two guys, you know, Deion Dawkins ain't going anywhere. Um, Round six, pick 203, Marquez Stevenson, receiver from Houston. Stevenson missed most of the season. He he heard his groin in preseason. He didn't come in until the last five games of the season. And he didn't catch a single ball. He was a kick returner. He kind of took over for Isaiah McKenzie. When McKenzie actually started getting put into the offense, it was a lot of it was a lot of Marquez Stevenson returning. Uh, he did punt and kick. Uh, he had a long of 31 yards. And I'm a, he's going to be their full-time guy whether Isaiah is back next year or not. And McKenzie's going to be a full-time fixture in the offense if he's back next year. I don't think that's any doubt about that. And, yeah, I mean – you know, a solid season, but definitely room to work on. Uh, staying in round six, pick 212, DeMar Hamlin, safety out of pit. Um, yeah, a guy who just played special teams this year. He'd get into two games at safety. He never started. Um, this is a guy, I mean, I think he's if he stays with the Bills, he's just going to be a special teamer because, like, I'm sorry, Jordan Poyer or Micah Hyde, that, you know, I know they're 30, but they're not heading anywhere anytime soon for this guy to come in. But I thought he was a solid player on special teams. Um, you know, a lot of these guys looking forward to seeing what they can do next year. Uh, the very next pick, the Bills picked Richard Wild Goose, cornerback from Wisconsin. Uh, this guy never played for the team. He'd get claimed off waivers by the Jets. Uh, I think he'd play in a little bit of action with the Jets. And, yeah, I mean, that's about it. Um, round six, pick two – or round seven, sorry. Pick 236, Jack Anderson – Guard from Texas Tech. Again, never played for the Bills. He'd get put on the practice squad. The Eagles would end up claiming him. And, yeah, that was his time in Buffalo. I think he's played a couple games with the Eagles. And, you know, wish him nothing but the best. But just looking right now, like, you know, seeing these guys, there's no guys on here, I'm happy to say this, that I'm like, wow, I'm really worried about him. Like, there's no guy on here that I'm like, that is leaning towards bust. There's a lot of guys on here that are, okay, maybe they're not you know, great yet, but they have a lot of potential to build into. And that is a very positive sign because you saw a lot, like I've seen a lot of guys play for the Bills that you just know these guys are not going to work out in Buffalo. And I mean, Sammy Watkins is always going to be, to me, the prime example of a guy that just, he was never going to work in Buffalo. Plain and simple. I I, I don't know. Sammy Watkins had some, I, I, fuck, I did not like Sammy Watkins. I will say that. He was a really frustrating player to watch. Uh, sorry, I guess probably don't want to hear my Sammy Watkins rant. And I just thought he was – he's kind of still disrespectful towards the Bills organization when he talks about them, so uh, fuck that guy. But, yeah, I mean, in this draft, there's, you know, I'm assuming, you know, two guys have been cut, which isn't good, but, I mean, it's your sixth-round pick and your seventh-round pick. It's not like this is your third-round pick that you're cutting, like – like, when I look at these, if you guys have visited my website, you'll have seen all the drafts that I've done. I've reviewed every draft class from 2002, about 2017. And you will see, like, there is 
third round picks that the Bills were just outright cutting in training camp because they just weren't good. And it shows you how bad the Bills were. I mean, I will rant about this for my entire life, how bad the Bills were at drafting. Like, it was kind of pathetic. And I don't see that with them right here. I see in this draft class a lot of guys that have a lot of potential to fill into. And, you know, maybe one of them could be, I mean, I could see Greg Rousseau going to the Pro Bowl next year. I could see Spencer Brown. I mean, Spencer Brown and Tommy Doyle, like I said, are going to battle at right tackle. And that's good. I mean, I think that's great to have two guys at tackle in there. You know, you always have assurance unless, of course, one guy goes down. But, yeah, I'm really excited for this class and ready to see what the guys can do next year, yeah. Continuing on here, we're going to go into our 17 that led to 17 with uh, our third variation of it, and that is none other than Mr. Doug Flutie. And this is going to be quite a long one. Like, we got a lot to unpack with Doug Flutie here. Um. So the guy's a uh, Florida kid, only got an offer to play at Boston College. Of course, led the flute or what is it called? The Yeah, the Hale Flutie at Boston College. Would be drafted in the 11th round of the NFL draft, which is fucking absurd. Can you imagine if there were still 11 rounds in the NFL today by the Rams? He would never play for the Rams. He'd go to the USFL, play for New Jersey for a year, would leave. Then the Rams would trade him to the Bears. In 86, he'd play a little bit for the Bears. He'd play in 86, 87. He'd start one game. That's about it. And during 87, he'd be traded to the Pats. He played with the Pats from 87 to 89. And then, you know, he'd head to the CFL from 1990 to 1997. And, look, I'm Canadian, and I can say that he was literally, like, he's arguably the greatest quarterback to ever play in the CFL. For any of you guys that don't know a thing about the CFL, there's been some decent quarterbacks that played in the CFL. Warren Moon played in the CFL. I don't know if Dieter Brock. Dieter Brock played in the CFL. I think he ended up playing in the NFL too. But Flutie was completely dominant. He played from the BC. He played on the BC Lions from 1990 to 91. The Calgary Stampeders from 92 to 95, and the Toronto Argonauts from 96 to 97. In those eight seasons, he won three Great Cups, which is the CFL Super Bowl. In 92 with Calgary, 96 and 97 with Toronto, we'd go back to back. He won MVP all of those years. He was the six-time uh, MVP of the league, 91 to 94, a clean sweep, four straight. And then in 96 and 97, he won it again. He holds the CFL record for the most passing yards in the season with 6,619 yards and the most touchdowns of the season with 48. Like, this guy is arguably the most decorated player to ever play in the CFL. Like, he was fantastic. Like, I, there's not really much else I can say other than that. And then, of course – Infamously, he'd get the call from the Bills in the offseason in 97 and say he wanted to come back. Then they said, yeah. I mean, of course, one thing I forgot to mention is the thing is Flutie was, you know, he was always looked at as he couldn't be done because he was 5'9". He was too short. He didn't know how to play. And, you know, it's a big knock against the guy. But, hey, I mean, if the guy's playing now, I mean, He'd fit in fine. Look at guys like Kyler, I mean, Baker a year ago. Baker, not so much anymore. But these guys have found success in the NFL. I mean, how tall is Joe? Joe Burrow can't be that tall. I don't think he's that big. But guys like Flutie have found success. And I think guys like Kyler can credit Flutie for being a trailblazer, potentially. So in 98, Flutie would come in. Of course, the Bills would also bring in Rob Johnson as well. And, you know... This is a whole saga that is going to get covered is Rob Johnson and Doug Flutie. I was reading a huge article on it today, and we'll get into that later. 
But in 98, it was announced Rob Johnson. He had just signed a five-year, $25 million contract, which is pretty big back then. Week one, they're in San Diego. And I believe Rob Johnson broke his jaw, if I'm not mistaken. Flutie would come in. He'd end up starting 13 games that year. The team would go 7-3. and three. He'd have a 57.1 completion percentage, would throw for 2,711 yards, 20 touchdowns to 11 picks. And, hey, I mean, that's a fantastic season for the guy. Like, you know, he came back. He went to the Pro Bowl. He won uh, Comeback Player of the Year award. And, you know, it looked like it was Flutie's team. Like, you know, they just paid a ton of money for Rob Johnson, and that is going to stir up a shit ton of controversy. In 99, Flutie would be named the starter out of camp, and he'd hold it for the whole year until the last game, something that, uh, Rob Johnson was not ha- happy about. Rob Johnson felt like the offense was not clicking at all. He felt like he should have been the starter. And that, you know, I the from what I read about Rob Johnson, I was reading an interview with Rob Johnson. Him and Doug Flutie did not get along at all. Um, they just, I think it was competitive nature in the two of them. You know, he said Doug Flutie would do some kind of shady stuff. He'd go tell reporter stuff behind Rob's back. I don't know how much of this is true. Um, that's a whole saga we'll get into. Um, maybe on another episode, I, I kind of need to reread the article fully, but that's kind of what Rob Johnson hinted at. They're also roommates on the road, which I'm sure was awkward as hell. You got two guys fighting for one job. That's not easy, but Flutie would come in. He'd start 15 games. The team was 10 and three. They'd locked up a playoff spot. And again, 55.2 completion percentage, 3,000 or 3,171 yards, 19 touchdowns, 16 picks. And I kind of see what Rob Johnson's saying is he was saying the offense was just kind of stale at the time. Like it wasn't a ton getting done. Flutie wasn't really playing at his best, but the team was playing good. And he, Rob kind of felt like the team was carrying Doug and Rob Johnson. They'd say, Hey, you're going to start week 17. Rob Johnson would come in and play the game of his life. Literally like Rob Johnson said that was the best game he'd ever played against Peyton Manning and the Colts. Um, a misconception a lot of people have is that, oh, he lit him up because the Colts are resting their starters. The Colts were not resting their starters. They had home field advantage to play for. All their guys were started. Peyton was playing. Rob Johnson beat him out. And, yeah. And then rumbling started to come out of who were the Bills going to start in the playoff game. I mean, I don't think anyone really thought this would happen. But, I mean, I, I it wasn't even really a question. But, Years later, it came out, Wade Phillips was forced by owner Ralph Wilson to start Rob Johnson because the team, it was kind of Wade, Wade loved Flutie, but Rob Johnson was, it was Ralph Wilson's guy. Like, and Ralph said, you're going to start him. I mean, you can't really blame Wade Phillips. I mean, you got a billionaire who writes your checks in your ear. I'm sure you're going to listen. And yeah, I mean, Rob Johnson would start. The team was terrible in the first half. They didn't score anything. They'd come back in the second half, and of course they would lose on the Music City Miracle. And that would just set, I mean, it would just set you know, the Bills into 18, what was it, 18 years of, of nothingness. 18 years that if you just deleted it from the franchise, no one would even remember anything that happened, maybe besides Fitzmagic beating the Patriots and like Fred Jackson. Other than those two guys, no one would really remember. Um, and that really, Flutie was yeah not happy, and I I really don't blame him. 
And then in 2000, Flutie came back again. He would start 11 games. He put up okay stats, but the Bills had a decision to make. What were they going to do? And Flutie was cut. Johnson was forced to stay. Rob Johnson did not want to stay in Buffalo, by the way. In that article, he said, I made it very clear. I did not want to stay in Buffalo. They kept me. And Rob Johnson would have a terrible year. And he'd be cut a year later. Flutie would sign with the Chargers. He'd actually back up uh, Drew Brees and Phillip Rivers for most of his time in San Diego. And Drew Brees talks about it. Drew Brees said that Doug Flutie was uh, one of his idols growing up. And he credits Doug Flutie with a lot of what happened in his career. A lot of the success he said he learned a lot from Doug when he was young. And he said he cherishes Doug as one of his mentors. Uh, Flutie would stay there till 04, and then in 05, he'd go to the Pats, play one more year, and then in 05, he kind of contemplated maybe going back to the CFL, but he decided, no, I think it's enough. I'm going to go and retire. And Doug Flutie would retire. I mean, almost 20 years in, uh, yeah, about 20 years in professional football. Um, but the real reason we're here is to talk about why Doug Flutie was never able to become the franchise guy. And it, I, I, like, I straight up think that it's just, yeah, it's tough to say because you never know because they brought in Flutie first and then they brought in Rob Johnson. If Rob Johnson never gets brought into the Bills, Doug Flutie maybe is the Bills quarterback for, I don't know, 10 years potentially. Like it wouldn't shock me, maybe not 10, but like eight seasons, he realistically could have been the Bills quarterback. And I think we'll kind of never know that because – Look, Ralph Wilson's favorite was obviously Rob Johnson. And I think Doug Flutie had a ton of potential to become the franchise guy. But, you know, it it wasn't really his call. I mean, the organization wanted something different. And again, this is where I see the dysfunction start within the Bills organization for that whole 2000s era. Was they cut Doug Flutie and then they kept a guy who blatantly said, I don't want to be here. Please cut me. Rob Johnson blatantly said i do not want to be here cut me like i want to go somewhere else and they said no you're staying because ralph wilson wants you and doug flutie you're gone and you're going to san diego well you're caught i don't give a shit where you go is pretty much probably what they said to him and it just shows you the level of dysfunction that went on for the bills and it's it just pisses me off to think about like oh so my main reason for doug flutie being the guy is obviously his age he wasn't a young guy when he came to the Bills either he was what probably 31, 32. And the organization, I, I just, the owner didn't have faith in him. Not the organization, the owner did not have faith in him. And that's kind of got to be a tough pill for him to swallow. But Flutie had a great career. I'm sure he made millions of dollars. And, you know, he's nicely retired now. And I'll always remember Doug Flutie for him in the CFL. I mean, he's the best CFL quarterback to ever play. And, yeah, I mean, it just kind of sucks. It kind of does leave a sour taste in your mouth. Because the whole city loved, like, they loved Doug Flutie. I mean, it was kind of split down the middle. You were a Rob Johnson guy or you were a Doug Flutie guy. And it sounded like more guys were Flutie guys than Johnson guys. You know, Flutie Flakes, all that shit. But, yeah, I'm going to go with my reason Doug Flutie was never really become the franchise guy was uh, ownership not having proper faith in him. So just a couple of things I want to talk about before we end the podcast this week. Um, I was playing Madden this week. I usually don't play as the Bills. I just kind of pick random teams and play. I don't really play online a whole lot. But I was playing as the Bills, and, like, 
fuck, man, is Josh Allen ever like he? This guy might be the best player I've ever played with the Madden. I know everyone says Michael Vick is the best. I don't know, man. Josh Allen is unreal. Playing with the Bills, I have to say, is the best team to play with in Madden. Like Josh Allen, you can throw like a 50 yard bomb to Diggs with the guy. Or you can scramble for 30. Like, this guy, he's so fast and mad, and he's pretty elusive, too. Like, I just find it so easy to play with the Bills. Like, you just hock it up to Diggs, or you just let Allen run with it. He's way better than Lamar. He's way better than, I don't know, who's even mobile. I mean, Lamar's okay, but Lamar fumbles way too much, I find. Josh never fumbles in the game. Anyway, I just felt like saying that because I thought it was kind of a cool thing to mention um but one thing that was discussed today is the colts have put in a proposal to the league to change the overtime rules this would come into place next season it would be for the regular and the postseason and it's it's unclear what it is all that it says is it, it would be a guarantee that both teams would get a possession in overtime it's not you know um if it'll carry on or whatnot but you know, it's unclear of how exactly it'll be, but it's also unclear the support in the league. Um, you know, this just came out today, so we don't know who's backing it, who's for it, who's against it. I'm sure there's – this is the NFL. Like, uh, I mean, how many owners voted against it? Because the Chiefs proposed it. I know a bunch of teams voted against it last time. And I don't really know if things are going to change. I think owners like it. I mean, I don't mind the way it is in the regular season. I don't really like it in the playoffs, though. Like, you know, there's, well, I mean, I guess baseball. Baseball, you don't have the second base runner now in extra innings in the playoffs. At least hockey overtime is completely different in the playoffs compared to the regular season. Football, I could kind of see, like, I think football should go to similar what to what um, – the NHL does in the regular season, which is each team gets a possession. And if you don't, you know, if both teams match each other or no one scores in whatever it is, you could do like, or you just, each team gets a possession and you got to match. And then if you both match, you go into mini games, which is kind of the same concept as what the NHL does. You play overtime. And if that's doesn't solve thing, you go to a shootout. And I can kind of see that. I think, like in my personal opinion, in overtime for the playoffs, you just play until someone wins. You know, you just got to keep matching, or you, know, you it's sudden death. Well, not sudden death. You you play until someone doesn't score, and that I, that's I think is the best way the NFL can do it. Or you play just a full ten or fifteen minute period, and if nothing's decided by the end of that, you keep playing. Like I mean. I think the – who did that once? Who went to double overtime? It was the Ravens and the Broncos, and it was an exciting game. So I'd really like to see that personally come in the NFL. Um, so, yeah, OT rule change. I, you know, I'm curious to see what exactly they're proposing and what could potentially be the rules. But I, you know, I'm always open to new things. It's not like I hate the NFL's overtime rules. I just think they're not the best rules. I definitely think they could be improved on. But, yeah, regardless, I'm in support of it. I hope the Bills support it. And, yeah. And one last thing I want to touch on before, you know, we finally end this is the whole Kyler Murray saga. That statement his agent came out with today, like, I I don't know why you need to come out with, like, a fucking 600-word essay on what Kyler wants. 
I get it that Kyler wants the money, and I, I can actually see Kyler's point here because he sees how Baker Mayfield, someone who plays a very similar size, but obviously Baker's not mobile, kind of fucked himself by not getting his extension last year like Josh Allen did. And Kyler doesn't want the same scenario, and I don't really blame him for that. Look, I'm always for guys getting their money, but, like, you don't need a 600-fucking-word essay about, oh, I want to win for the organization, and I want to be your long-term quarterback and win a Super Bowl in Arizona. Like, look, you don't need all of that. Just say, I want an extension. Like, it's not like Kyler Murray's not going to get paid unless he turns into what Baker Mayfield did and just completely shits the bed. So I just felt like I would go on a little bit of a rant there. So Kyler Murray, no need for a 600-word essay. But, yeah, uh, thanks for tuning in this week, guys. Obviously, you know, podcasts are getting kind of shorter and shorter. There's just not a whole lot of Bills material to talk about as we're going through the heart of the offseason. And obviously none of us can – like we all want the season to start again, but we still got a long, long wait. Obviously things will kind of change once free agency hits. We got one more week of kind of nothingness and then free agency and draft, and it all really starts to pick up schedule and whatnot. So it should be exciting. Uh, thanks for tuning in, guys. If you guys want, you can check out my YouTube channel, my website. I actually just did a YouTube video on the Doug Flutie situation, and a Rob Johnson one should be coming out soon. So if you guys enjoy the podcast, I would appreciate if you guys would check out those, subscribe and whatnot. And thanks for tuning in. I always appreciate you guys. Have a good one. Bye.